0: whole last
1: down
2: Welcome to the Get in podcast presented by Fourth and Dude brought to you by eagleinsider.com and armchair media Season 4 Virginia Tech Week. The Eagles clawed their way to a massive victory in Chestnut Hill on Saturday night taking down the Pitt Panthers by a score of 31-30 and an overtime thriller. BC improves to 3-1 on the year, 2-1 in conference, and currently sits in a tie for 5th place in the ACC standings. On today's episode, we'll recap a wild Saturday night, bring back a special edition of Halfley's Corpus, and preview the upcoming showdown versus the Hokies under the lights in Blacksburg this weekend.
3: Matt, it's hard to not feel really good about this team, that game, and and really the direction of the program after what we saw on Saturday night, you got to feel for Pitt fans right off the bat. Mm-hmm. That was one of the most BC losses, you know, of all time, uh, with the miraculous you know comeback field goal, and, and then obviously the missed extra point. I should say one of the most historical BC losses of all time because clearly time, things have changed on the heights. The turnaround that Jeff Halfley has made, not only in in what we're seeing on the field, but just the way that we're winning games, you know, is really is really quite special. And, and I think we we clearly all know at this point that we you know have a winner on our hands. Big show today. Before we get into all of it, quick word from our presenting sponsor, Bet Online. Matt, the wait is finally over. Another triple header of fun is upon us this week. The NFL is in full effect. College football is in full effect. We've got many teams strutting their stuff early, and we also have the MLB playoffs in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Matt, again, let's just get right into it. I, it was one of the more stress-inducing at the time, but in hindsight, one of the more fun Saturdays you know we've had watching this team in a in a long time. And you know, frankly, I think you could go back through our you know, pre- previous ten coaching regime, regimes, and if you play that game under those circumstances, I don't think we win any of them. So to to pull that game out the way we did. The, the half magic is just real and I don't know what else you can really say at this point.
2: Yeah, no question. I think and everyone said this, but I think we lose this game 10 times out of 10 under my boy Steve Adazio. there's no question. there's something different about this team under Halfley. We got a different juice. Uh, like you said, if there are any pit fans listening, you know we feel your pain. That, that's an ugly way to lose. We've been there you know the number of times and you go all the way back to the Duke game when we were what sophomores. And then, you know, to, to Penn State in 2014, obviously, the, and then the entire Daz era, we were, what, 30% from, from you know, extra points. That sounds general, about I right, think. yep. So we feel you guys' pain, but with that said, we're turning a new leaf over. We're moving on, and uh, we can't lose right now. So let's um, that with that, let's get into the game a little bit. Uh, it was a back-and-forth game to start out. We get the ball after we stop them on, on five or six plays. Jerko puts a nice 12-play, 86-yard drive together. Um, we hit a couple big plays to Hunter Long and C.J. Lewis, and the Eagles get a field goal. We're up 3-0. Pitt gets the ball. Our D forces a big stop, except not so fast. We jump off sides on a fourth and eight at midfield. Pitt goes for it, gets it, drives down the field for a touchdown. From there, it was uh, uh, you know surprising to me. It was an offensive game. The offense you know, trade scores. Jericho found Zay for that big play on uh, single coverage for a 44-yard TD. Pickett fires back with, there was a couple of questionable pass interference calls. They get into the red zone. That sets up that halfback screen for six points. And then Jericho caps off a methodical 13-play, 75-yard drive with that grown-man quarterback sneak on fourth and goal. And the Eagles go into half, up 17-14. to 14. Matt, what were your halftime thoughts? I, I think, you know, at least I was expecting a low-scoring kind of a dogfight. And the first half lived up to the hype from, from that standpoint. But a lot more offense than I uh, originally anticipated. I'll tell you what. Matt, I'll tell you what.
3: It, it was hard, I, don't, I think, to not feel good about where we were when we came into halftime. Uh, really with the reason being... It's more like halftime, Matt. Matt, it is it is, it is more like halftime. And I think that's you know a, a really salient point with what we've seen out of this head coach through the first three games so far. Every game, we have been a different team in the second half. We've been a little slow to start. So to come in only down one, we're down three at the half. We'd up scored last. We were getting. Oh, I'm sorry. Up three at the half. Uh, we were getting the ball back to to start the second half. And I and I think you know if you put us in that position against a team that you know at 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 minimum we're, we're peers with, if not you know better than, uh, that's a game that we're going to end up winning. You know, 99 of the time, which which fortunately for us proved proved to be true. But again, it's a different feeling this year, and I know we keep harping on it, but to be in these positions where we feel confident. We feel like we're going to win games even if things aren't going our way or if, or if we're in a dogfight versus before. We needed you know as much of a cushion as we possibly could have because we knew at all times that the, you know, someone was going to storm back against us in the third and fourth quarter. So not only just changing the way that we're seeing things on the field, but, but halfway it's just changed the culture and the mindset of our fan base, which is pretty remarkable only four games in.
2: Yeah, 100%. Uh, I don't know if you recall, but I, I had prognosticated a, a final score of 18-13. Yep. And so the 17-14 uh, first half was already there points-wise. I did think, with that said, I, I did think the D was playing pretty well. Yeah, they shot themselves in the foot a couple times with penalties. And obviously that offsides that prolonged what became that touchdown drive for Pitt was a killer. But otherwise, I thought that front seven was really attacking and making pick an, pick it uncomfortable. while the D-backs did a really good job keeping everything in front of them. Offensively, it was kind of ugly, right? A lot of negative plays on first and second down. And then Jericho just makes it happen on third and long. I think he prefers third and long to any other down. Um, and, you know, we, we keep saying, how sustainable is this? But we're four games in and it's working, so so maybe it is. So the Eagles start the second half with a bang as as Pitt inexplicably lets say Flowers get loose again, one-on-one downfield. BC takes a 24-14 to lead uh, on the second play of the half, and we are feeling good in the Adirondacks, folks. Unfortunately, that would be the last points that the Eagles would put up in the game, uh, at least in regulation. And so Pitt... Pitt gets back into it. They uh, they score one more time to cut the lead to 24-21 to late in the third. Uh, we have a DeBerry interception in the pit red zone, followed by an immediate Jerko strip sack at the start of the fourth. You know, obviously a big missed opportunity there, but, but I guess no harm, no foul. Fast forwarding midway through the fourth, Pitt gets the ball at BC's 45. The defense forces a ginormous turnover on downs, uh, and, and the Eagles get the ball back. I'm thinking it's game over. Let's just move the sticks a few times and we can we can call it a day. Instead, we go three and out. Pit drives down the field and hits a 58 freaking yard field goal to force overtime.
3: Well, by the way, you're, you're neglecting the fact that we had the what 15 yard sack on on third down there mm-hmm. to, to to make it 58 yarders. Yeah. They were comfortably in this guy's range at you know 40 or whatever. Uh, that was one of the all time back breaking moments. You know, that you could possibly even think up because we were on cloud nine when he had that sack. We thought the game was over. And then for him to, you know, just just nail it like it was it wasn't even a question of it hooked in. It was from the jump. It had enough distance from like 80. It looked like Um, that that was really painful. And frankly, the exact opposite of how I think we felt approaching the end of last week's game where we said, you know, if we could have converted that two point conversion, I think everyone in the world would have felt really good about our chances in overtime. The way we were playing, the way we were moving the ball, the way our defense had had shut down Pitt's offense for, or I'm sorry, UNC's offense for basically the entire second half. Mm-hmm. It was the exact opposite last Saturday. I thought for sure once it went through the way our, you know, how anemic our offense really looked in the second half. They, you know, our off, our defense was really strong for the third quarter, but they started to, you know, get some things moving. Uh, Pitt did in the fourth quarter uh, and and just with the momentum you know, on its own, I thought that we were in big, big trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, so, not to spoil, you know, the, the the rest of the game recap that you're going to go through here, but let me just say, I ended the night much happier than I expected I would have, like 15 <laughs> minutes prior.
2: Yeah, hopefully, we're not spoiling anything at this point. I'm, I'm sure most of you guys have seen the game, but it's an important point, Matt, and I was saving that for my dude of the week, Max Richardson, because if he didn't nail that 58 yarder, that sack would go down. In BC lore as one, game of, the, winning, you know, right? one of the top game-winning defensive plays, you know, in recent history, right? Um, instead it's, right it's up there with
3: the with the Keekley strip fumble in overtime against Wake Forest, parents weekend of, I believe, our sophomore year.
2: There you go. Absolutely. Uh, that's a throwback, huh? Yeah, a little bit, huh? Uh, yeah. It, and instead, you know, obviously they, they hit the 58-yarder, the they force overtime. And then, so we get the ball first in OT. We do absolutely nothing on first and second down. And then Jericho does what he does on third and 10. Finds Zay for his third touchdown of the game in the back of the end zone. Pick gets the ball. That They sort of have an adventure of a possession. They convert twice on fourth down. I think it was like a 12-play drive or something ridiculous like that, which you don't often see, uh, you know, in overtime from the 25. Um, they finally find the end zone. And then the same Alex Kessman that made the 58-yarder misses the extra point. And the Eagles walk off with an improbable victory, folks.
3: So apparently that's kind of his, his, his thing I've heard, at least, you know, kind of looking at, at – at- Reddit, CFB and, and other Pitt Twitter that it sounds like they were in no way, shape or form surprised that he you know bombed a 60 yarder and then and then missed the extra point. So, again, just really want to reiterate how empathetic we are towards Pitt fans, because I can put ourselves 100 percent in their shoes. We literally lived this 100 times in the Spaz and Adazio years. So mm-hmm. uh, nowhere right there with you folks.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I, I liken the whole field goal kicking special teams in general to basketball, where it's kind of like, know, it's kind of a mental game, right? You get hot, and then you're in the zone, and then sometimes you can't hit the broad side of the barn. And for me, and this means nothing, but I have a much better three-point like three point percentage from deep like Steph Curry land than I do in the mid-range, because I'm expected to make the mid-range but no one like if I am playing with house who, money if who, I make it. Who a, expects you not to not to catch up? Who expects you to make the mid range, just to be clear? Well Pete, the people that are watching, maybe. Okay. Yeah, I've been playing a lot of a lot of hoops down in Philly. Okay. Um just on the streets and uh yeah. It's you know. So anyway, so point okay, being fine. my mid range game needs work and that's kind of the equivalent of the I feel like extra layups points. would be a better comparison. But yeah, I can't really make those either. It's <laughs> fair. But I'm lethal from downtown is my point. So much like Kessman on the 58-yarders. All right, let's keep this moving. Well, real quick, just I do want to yeah. have one more note on that. Uh, yeah. Can
3: you give a quick recap of your three-point contest? So there was, I think, 2013, uh, Conti Forum held a big three-point contest, and the winner got to like do a three-point contest at halftime of, of a BC basketball game. Matt had been hyping himself up all week. He was like, this is the time I get to show my skills. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk just briefly about – uh, what your what your final results were in the uh, power gym kind of satellite contest?
2: Well, you know what happened, Matt was I I had done a workout that day, so okay. my arms yep. were very sore. Um, so I don't remember. I probably hit half of them around nope. th- in that range. Just definitely not. Okay. What, what's more important, I think no one's talking about, is back in I think eighth grade, I actually came in third place in a statewide three point contest. So, wow. No um, one I is have a talking t-shirt, about that. A t shirt to prove it. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty lethal from long range. I, I want to make sure that. Yeah, we—that's we, known. Um, that I think we, can, we can write that down. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, let's go back to football here, just briefly, sure. Matt, if we can. <laughs> um, what do you have on the half full, half empty side of the table?
3: Yeah, so I think the 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 all all encompassing theme of this segment. I think the game itself was very half full and half empty. I think when you really look at it, this was far from a, a perfect game. Uh, we played incredibly sloppy. That's the half empty side, but we still won, which obviously mm-hmm. is half full. So I'm just going to run through a couple of of you know missed opportunities. You know, obviously talked about the the interception, the DeBerry interception, followed by the Jericho strip sack, and you know to make that. Even worse in terms of a, of a you know missed opportunity was I think the play before that, Zay missed, you know, basically just dropped a wide open um, touchdown pass. Now, I want to be very clear that we're not in any way being hard on Zay because as we'll get to in a minute, he's like the best player, offensive player we've maybe ever had, which is saying something. But um, a free seven points right there that ended up, you know, turning into nothing a play later, uh, settled for field goals early. You know, we talked about this last week, but that's kind of something that needs to change. When we get in the red zone and we get especially, you know, inside of like five, you know, 15, 10 yards, that has to be seven. Like we just can't keep letting points on the board. We've kind of skated by so far. If we had it some against UNC, I think that that's that's one that we that we win. But, you know, we can't kind of survive on that forever. But, you know, overall, again, despite these errors and despite the defense not looking great, you know, in the first half as much we let Pickett get free a couple times to still be able to find a way to to fight through and, and win that game. The 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 glass could not be more half half full if we're just being honest. It's so impressive the you know guts and the grit that these guys showed to kind of stick in this and keep fighting when everything really looked looked poor and it did for a lot of the night um, or at least you know late in the evening. They gave up, you know, they had a 10 point lead that vanished. For them to stick with this and, and fight through and get a win is so refreshing. Uh, as a fan of this program and i don't know how again you can't walk away just feeling so happy about the direction and and, you know optimistic about where this program is heading
2: yeah no question in red zone we'll talk about it but you know when we go up against these high scoring offenses um, like we do next week and like we did a couple weeks ago against unc and and half said this too we just have to be better in the red zone we're currently eight out of 17 uh when it comes to touchdown percentage that's not a math major, map, but that's less than half. Agreed. Um, so got to convert there. What I do think that means is we're a better team than what we're currently showing, right? That's kind of one of those random things, much like turnovers, that if you can clean those up, then yeah, you start to live up to your expectations or your potential a little bit. Um, so, you know, we'll twist that around. That's a positive. And, and by the way,
3: man, and, and and on that exact same note, I mean, if you want to talk about like the penalties as well right? Like mm-hmm. we gave them that first touchdown when we jumped on a fourth and eight and they went forward and converted. It's these little things and it's, 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 it's the mental mistakes. There was a couple yeah. of false starts and a couple offsides. If we can clean those up and we can get a little bit more efficient in the red zone, not even, you know, that much more efficient. This is a, it, it already is a really good team. This is a very, very, very good team.
2: Yeah. And half said that too. He said, you know it never should have come down to that extra point we should have won that game by a couple possessions when you talk about the penalty when you talk about the missed opportunities they left out there and um uh, so i like that mindset you know it, it's it's he's he's going to be hard on the guys that that have and he said this too you know i don't mind the physical penalties where we're being over aggressive on defense but you know the mental lapses and we're not going to name names but uh you just you can't go you can't jump offsides there no matter what you do as long as you you know just just let's get the ball back and, and let's go back down the field. You know you're not going to block the unless puck. you're
3: in an all-out pump block,
2: right? Like that's right. the only time
3: where if it's we're, we're we're bringing you know 15 guys are coming at the ball yeah. at once. We've brought in a couple coaches and we're and we're giving everything we got. Unless right. that's your game plan, you need to just sit back and relax. What what does it do to get you in there? You know potentially half a second earlier if you're not in you know really going for the pump block.
2: Fair. And in, in his defense, Tate Haynes did have to come in later and made a huge play yeah um, I, th- I think it was a huge uh, PBU that was you know we really needed it so um. you know he did make up for it but you know we got to be smarter than that obviously we'll talk defense in a second but I do just want to expound on your Jerko point you know specifically that fumble I-, I think it just is what it is between you know the, the turnovers and-, and the sacks that he took he took another four I think sacks it was I think we just need to accept it at this point Jerko. he's he's going to take his time back there he's going to dance around the pocket he's going to take a bunch of huge hits. Maybe he's going to turn the ball over once or twice a game, but it's all worth it because when it comes together, when he has time and allows Zay or Hunter Long to get separation, you can't defend it. When it comes together, it's beautiful. So it's sort of like we can be mad at it and we can say, get rid of the ball faster. But at the same time, you know, if he just gets a millisecond more, it turns into a game changing play. So it's sort of, it's definitely a shift coming from, you know, AB used to lock onto one receiver. It seemed like last year and would get rid of the ball quickly, even when he had time, this is sort of the opposite where, um, you know, Jerko has way less time, but he just doesn't care. Guy loves contact and he's just fearless in there. And that's, that's not a characteristic that comes around an awful lot. And I think that's a big reason why he's obviously getting the big Ben comparisons, but I think it's also a big reason why he's going to be, you know he's looking. I don't want to overstate this. Four games in, but he's looking like he could be a you know a top NFL pick someday. So, I think we'll live with that for now. Obviously, we'd love to improve it. We'd love to cut down on the sacks, and you know we're certainly concerned that he's going to take a big hit and not not bounce back up like he keeps doing. But it's just it is what it is at this point, and we'll we'll take the bad if it comes with the really 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 good that seems to you know seems to happen a few times a game.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. And the other thing I do want to note on 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 Jergo is I, I I do think despite a collapsing pocket, which is something that needs to get straightened out. This line just needs to figure it out. And we know how talented they are. We say this every week. They will figure it out. I I do have a lot of confidence in that, but despite a collapsing pocket, he does still have a really good pocket presence. And you'll see this if you watch him, like, especially on his blind side, he's really good. And and I know the fumble was obviously a, a terrible example of that, but, historically he's really good at stepping up when he feels the pressure mm-hmm. um, he'll take three steps he'll feel a guy coming and he steps up and he buys himself another you know three seconds to find someone open um, which is i i would imagine as someone who's never played quarterback a very 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 difficult skill it's obviously a loud you know game down there you don't exactly hear a guy running up behind you necessarily but he has that again he's got a lot of intangibles even you know to, to get in on the you know goal line sneak on on fourth down it, it's, it takes a lot of heart, I think, to do a lot of the stuff that he's done, to take some of the hits he's, he's done and gotten back up. So, you know, we were obviously excited about him coming into the year, but at least for me, he's completely exceeded even my expectations. And we're only, you know, four games in, and he's got, what, another three years here. So um, couldn't be more, more excited about what we have with him so far.
2: Right. And, and specific to the O line, too, you know, we're going to put that again in the, in the half empty category, right? But I do think we have to level set and, and understand Pitt's game plan. I mean, they kept, those linebackers and those safeties continue to creep up, and they were in that box all day.
3: And it's also, by the way, one of the best defensive lines that we're going to go against all it's year, too.
2: Exactly right. And and these guys said, you know what? I, I we, we, we like our secondary. We think we can take these guys one-on-one downfield. It turned out they couldn't because they severely underestimated what Flowers could do uh, when you get them downfield one-on-one. But the big reason that we couldn't get much going either in the run game or really defend that well in the passing game is because these guys sold out and it's going to be interesting and we'll get into Virginia tech, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do because now, now it's on film. You can't leave Zay fly. You got to drop guys back into coverage. And to date, we haven't proved that we have a running game. And uh, I think that's something that if we do figure it out, if they do the other thing too, Matt is, and I'm not a huge X and X's nose guy, but we played a lot of 12 personnel last year with two tight ends on the field. We now have one tight end, but he's really a receiver, he's you know, going up for passes. We have a couple backup tight ends that, that you know get in there, and they're not great blockers. You know, we had Jake Burt, who's now a New England Patriot, we had Cora Badrizi in there. You know, they were helping out quite a bit, so that when defenders did stack eight in the box, they could help out. And you know, I think it's just a different philosophy under Signetti, and I think we need to start to understand that. I think the O line's getting a lot of hate. And, you know, I know we, we've we been sort of leading the charge a little bit because we think it's maybe just as simple as a ship back to man uh, man blocking. And I don't know if that's the case. I'm, I'm sure there's more intricacies, intricacies than that. But, you know, we do have to understand that we, we're we going to take whatever the defense gives us. And if that's, Zay wide open downfield, then we're going to go with that.
3: Yeah, I think that's actually a really fair point that probably doesn't get talked enough about it is, you know, the, the Adazio style, which was obviously a very, frankly, boring offensive style. But in and of itself, it brings a lot of guys in that are that are you know there to block. Um, so mm-hmm. there's definitely a lot more bodies in the field. Matt, I've got a couple other half full, half empties here. I'm just yeah. going to run through these ones. These ones quicker. Um, so half full, the Jersey matchup was absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I, I like our, I love our white throwbacks. Those are yeah. my favorite jerseys I've ever seen. I like them more than the maroons. I like them more than, than anything else we've ever worn. Absolutely spectacular. And the pit ones are phenomenal. So those Pits, two on each other
2: were excellent. I hate to say pit might have the best jerseys. Pits those are throwbacks sick. are just disgusting. Absolutely I mean, in a, sick. In a good way for our older listeners. That's a good yeah, exactly. like Those are sick.
3: Um, the half empty here, Matt, and this yeah. is just a minor thing uh that game and like all of it would have looked so much cooler if at midfield we had our throwback logo the the italicized 90s bc lo- or early 2000s bc logo just didn't really fit with the aesthetic so that's a minor one uh, a couple others from the broadcast itself half empty the guy who's running the yellow line needs to be fired and mm-hmm. needs to be fired tomorrow on the fourth down that they converted pick converted in overtime according to the yellow line he was short by like Two, two yards. Like, it was not mm-hmm. even close. If you remember, Matt, when that uh, happened and we saw him get tackled, we were running around the house. Like, we were going insane because we said, yeah. all right, this game's over. Great. Uh, come to, and hey, it's first down on the three-yard line. What just happened there? So that yeah. was a disaster. And I hate to do this, but Mark Herslick is not a guy I want calling BC games anymore.
2: Matt, he had, he had cancer.
3: I, I, lo- I love him. I love his story. I love what he did for Boston College. But he is a terrible... And and I think a part of it is he's probably trying to not be a homer, which is a hard thing to do. Like if you were and I were to call this game for ESPN, it would be a disaster because we would just exclusively <laughs> talk about how, I mean, it would be like, it would be incredible, but it would be like Jack Edwards and you can't really do that on ESPN. So I understand that he's trying to, I'll call it fair, uh, but he was very tough to listen to. It seemed like he was openly rooting for for Pit, uh, mm-hmm. which is which is unfortunate. So um, a lot of just missteps there. Did not enjoy him at all, and and, and you know wish him obviously the best in his broadcasting career, and mm-hmm. and hopes he you know comes next you know Howard Cosell, just not on BC games. That's kind of all I'm asking for. Um, and then lastly, Matt on the broadcast note the ACC network stream literally cut out for us um, as Jerko was dropping back and it came to when Zay Flowers was in the end zone 6 mm-hmm. seconds into the into the third quarter so really again normally we're in a market that has that on cable but really feel for all of our all of our Boston listeners who are mm-hmm. stuck with with streaming the ACC network cuz there's just a lot of headaches with with things when they come over the air versus uh, versus coming over cable. So, again, I know we have a lot of games on the ACC network. So, something to, to keep an eye on there. Matt, that's about all I had.
2: One more related half empty. that The the ball boys on the Kessman 58-yard field goal. Yep. Did you see the replay of that? I yep. forget if we noticed it in real time. No, I noticed it. But, I mean, they're but, pick guys. Okay, but why are the pick guys, first of all, that's not how that works, I don't yes,
3: think. Yes, it is. Is it? Yeah, kick especially kicking. because they got, it's Are you like, kidding the, me? You remember Do all you this been, from the – Yeah, go ahead. Uh,
2: if if you guys saw the 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 view from the you know kicker's perspective right into the end zone you have Matt and I our cutouts in the background but right in front of that you have the ball boy that's going absolutely bonkers when Casper hits the 58 yarder i don't care how i meant to send jason bomb an email about this how do you let that clown show happen in our house? I mean, that's completely unacceptable. That's, I think that's, you don't that's bring not on ball bomb. boys. It's not in yes COVID you do. Times. Yes uh, you do. Covid times, man. Yes. Well, then
3: even better. They they need to be using pit balls. They can't be using BC balls. That is that is. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna knock you on that. But I am gonna turn that into a half full. Uh, we tweeted about it earlier in the season before we even knew where we were sitting. That our dumb faces and our you know you're wearing the helmet. I'm wearing the crop top. Was going to be enough at some point to throw a kicker off off mm-hmm. their game. And sure enough, four games in, we win the game. I don't want to say we because I really don't want to give all of us, you know, us all the credit. But mm-hmm. us standing literally right behind the uprights and this guy shanks an extra point. You just have to think that that might have creeped in a little bit. So half full on, on that side of things. Anything totally else you, you have from, from uh, glass, either half
2: full or half empty yeah, side of things? Matt, we skipped over my probably the biggest half full. Yeah. Um, but you have to give a shout out to this secondary and really the defense as a whole. But what this secondary did on Saturday was nothing short of incredible. Um, and we're, we're banged up back there. We got Dion Jones out. We had uh, Mike Palmer went out, uh, I think, in the second quarter there. We, we had a bunch of guys that, that were, you know, that were banged up. And for these guys, you know, it's really led by the cornerbacks and Brandon Sebastian and Josh DeBerry. These guys have turned into absolutely elite players. Sebastian had six PBUs in this in one game, which has to be a record. Um, DeBerry was all over the, all, all over the field, making huge plays and, and Pitt, I know they're not known as, as an offensive powerhouse, but Pickett was what? The second leading passer in the yeah. country. Something. Yeah, great, he at was, least the he, he was
3: scary. He was scary.
2: And he, he went into Eric Dungy mode. Like he, d- Pickett was playing really, really well. They have, you know, weapons at wide receiver and they have a solid line and that's, you know, a, a fine offense. And, you know, I'm really proud of what those guys did. And, and they were the reason that we won the game. You know, DeBerry, we talked about that pick. I mean, that's that's just – that has Jeff Halfley written all over it. The way that he jumped the route and sort of finished off the route for the receiver and, and wound up in the exact right spot. I mean, you know that, that Coach, you know, pretty much laid that out in, in film. And, yeah. um, you know, the fact that these guys are executing such a high level, that really bodes well. And, you know, we saw last year what happens when, you know, you can be exposed, especially on, that, on, on the back four. And the fact that these guys are playing at such an elite level just a year later, it really speaks volumes to, to what half's done. So I, I do want to give those, those guys a shout out. Those were the MVP of the game, uh, specifically Sebastian, which he was, especially in that he's so good. quarter, was, oh, he's so was good. elite.
3: Yep. Love to see that out of Central Connecticut, guys. That's uh, mm-hmm. Again, we're just athletes. We just we, we, we are just raised as athletes in that part of the mm-hmm. country. Um, yeah. So really glad he's kind of continuing and- on my my legacy.
2: And you saw what Mark Whipple, who's a UMass guy, right? You Amazing saw he that he is that he yeah. is still
3: kicking around. By the way,
2: but he had to adjust the, the entire game plan because even though we were it was one on one for the most part downfield, he he couldn't get anything going. So the plays they did hit on were either design runs for Pickett or these gimmicky you know screen passes. They they had to adjust their entire game plan because nothing was available you know downfield. So I think that's huge. And we're going to need it because we're about to play some elite receivers the next uh, three or four weeks here. So, um, you know, love to see that. And they're only going to get better as the the leaf effect continues to take shape.
3: Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, do you want to pivot now into dude of the week? What are you looking for here?
2: Yeah, let's do that. And we already hit on mine, uh, Max Richardson, Sax Richardson, sorry, yep. uh, between him and McDuffie, who I think it is every week. But again, that sack at the end of the fourth, that should have been like... A memorialized play that that you know we remember forever i was
3: shocked when they even tried it out uh the kicker i was like at this point
2: you have to you know throw it right you gotta mm -hmm. throw it 30 yards yep yeah 100 um
0: we'll we'll definitely need those guys to step there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip i'd like to check into the centurion lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing
0: Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret?
2: up again you know obviously we're going to face khalil herbert who ran all over us last year and virginia tech's offense has been pretty good to date so um those two linebackers in the middle of the field absolutely have to step up
3: so i have the obvious pick for my dude of the week you got to go with say this guy is just an absolute monster week in and week out, and we have not had. A, and you know, I know we've had some great offensive players come in. We have not had nearly as explosive as a player as Zay Flowers in a very, very, very long time, frankly, if ever. Um, added another 162 yards and three touchdowns to his total uh, on Saturday. This guy is borderline uncoverable, and while I'm sure we've had great athletes who can get open in the past, maybe it's just the fact that we now have a, have a you know, quarterback who can reliably hit them. And that's certainly not shade at, at anyone who's, who's come before him. Uh, but the, the combination of Jerko and Zay is, is absolutely unreal. Zay was nominated for the, you know, national best wide receiver award, which Bullet, I don't think off. we've had anyone. The, that's a hard one to say. So I was going to yeah. defer to you on that. <laughs> um, we haven't had anyone even, you know, sniff that in in forever. So this guy is, is an absolute, absolute joy to watch. And I tell you what, it's just it's fun to have an offense that is that is at least has the ability to be high powered, and again, you know we can now storm back in any game that we that we might fall behind in because of threats you know like say Flowers.
2: No, no question, agree hundred um, percent, and he's on track. And I just had to correct the ACC Network that's putting out some correct. fraudulent statistics. Yep. Um, but he has he's averaging over a hundred yards receiving per game. So if you normalize that in a twelve game season, he'd have over twelve hundred, which would be a Boston College record. I think Amazon is in the 1200 range, but that would be, uh, he'd be in the mix if we had a a full season. He might do it anyway, but, you know, storyline to watch.
3: Yeah, as a math guy, I can definitely confirm that. I think that segues into your Eagles in the wild, does it not? Yeah,
2: it sure does, Matt. Um, Zay Flowers, the reason for his production, um, it came out this past week that he's been working out with Antonio Brown and Geno Smith, which, get this, Matt, I have a Geno Smith joke. Um, That explains Zay's jaw dropping numbers thus far. Oh, I see. Shout out to any Jets fans that are listening. Yeah. That's a joke about when Geno Smith got punched in the jaw and broke his jaw.
3: Yeah, that's that's so. that's that's pretty good. Um, yeah, Matt, thanks. So for my Eagles in the wild, I'm going off of the football field and really out of the athletics arena entirely. Okay. Uh, everyone knows I'm a big math guy. I feel like this deserves to get more shine. I know the story broke like six months ago, but it's been back in the news of late. Uh, Lisa Piccarillo, BC math major, class of 2013, mm-hmm. solved the Conway Knot problem, which is like a decades old unsolvable math problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here comes Lisa seven years out of college and just solves it in everyone's <laughs> face. Uh, that's just big time. And that's just what Boston College math majors do. You know, some of us seem to be applying their, their what they've learned in the math arena a little bit more than than others. Uh, but I think there were literally like less than eight Bachelor of Science graduates of math in the class of 2013 mm-hmm. i was one lisa was one so clearly um that's a track for success i'll just say that much so mm-hmm. absolutely love to see that the bc math department doesn't get enough shine uh but shout out to all my all my guys in there uh try to think who i i'm not even going to try to name professors yeah you didn't go to class a lot matt renny Morolo. uh yeah so like, he he ate, he's the he only one that lunch. comes to
2: mind yeah. R- Remy, Ren, is it Renny? Rennie, Rennie absolutely ate my lunch for Calc.
3: Yeah, can't think of any other one else names on the top of my head. Renny Marolo is like more of a unique name. Um, yeah. But overall, again, just love to see the math department doing doing great things. So Let shout me out, this, Lisa. Matt. Excellent Let stuff. Let me ask
2: you this. I, and I'm a big goodwill hunting guy. You know that. And, yep. you know, it, the whole nine, right? What does that, solving the Conway knot, what does that do for society? Like, how does that advance us forward? What happens next? Can we apply that to any type of science? Is that really yeah. a, a cure for COVID? Or does it yep. matter whatsoever?
3: At yeah, all? well, again, to quote the show Num3RS with David Crumholtz, uh, we all use math every day. So these math things that we solve you know, will we'll have far-reaching implications that that you or I, frankly, can't even comprehend. So uh, this like, absolutely is going to move things yeah. forward. Um, and and you know what? It is just like good will hunting, honestly. Yeah. So you'll have to see it.
2: I, I feel like you didn't answer the question. Nope. Um, Great. All right. So I have one more Eagles in the Wild here. Uh, Jared Dudley recently went on the Bill Simmons podcast. And if you guys know anything about the fourth and dude perspective on the hoops program, it is that we needed a change yesterday, yesterday being four years ago. um, Dudley basically went on the show and and he had a great quote about coming back to B.C. He said, I'm going to do the NBA thing. He's going to be a coach, GM, and then, quote, I'm going to go back to B.C., going to clean all that up need to have my donors, need to get those facilities. That's big So time. It's on the radar, and it goes without saying that um, you know if we had Dudley Stroll on the sidelines, uh, we would be in a much better shape, and we'd be probably making tournaments every year, and that's all we want. So shout out to Jay Duds for winning the championship. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, it's sooner rather than later.
3: Yeah, that would be that would be such a welcome sight to get Dudley on the on the sidelines or in at least some mm-hmm. advisory role at Boston College. The guy is just an excellent excellent basketball mind, and really happy for him that he finally got his uh, his name on the Larry O'Brien. I know they don't actually put their name on it like the Stanley Cup, but I feel like the mm-hmm. the idea follows. Matt, are you ready to head into the courtroom here?
2: I'll, I'll tell you what, Matt. It's been a while since it we've has. been in the courtroom. We've had a lot of you know sort of business to take care of and. I'm excited to get back in, um, Matt. Let's let's do it. Habeas Corpus is now in session.
3: Matt, before we get into the courtroom, a quick word again from our sponsors. So, just to remind everyone about Bet Online and all of the great sign-up bonuses and bets that they offer. NFL is in full swing. College football is in full swing. MLB playoffs are in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still get in on all of the action at Bet Online. They're going the extra mile to make sure you have every bet available to you: spreads, totals, team, player, coaching, props. They give you more options to wager than any place online. I had to bet online today and use promo code armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And Matt, they are back again. Our friends at Manscaped here to sponsor this week's Halflias Corpus. Big news in the Manscaped world, Matt. Mm-hmm. They have released a new Manscaped product Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. Take a look in the mirror and I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's Mm -hmm. time to keep your ear and nose looking as nice as your fellas down low. They are changing the grooming game forever with this Weed Whacker. This nose and ear trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which we all love, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered, 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. That sounds like an airplane engine. This is this is awesome. It's intelligently contoured design, enhances the trimming experience, and it is waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. The only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium-ion battery that lasts for up to 90 minute of use. Have you ever pulled your nose hair out with your fingers? That might hurt more than anything other Manscaped accidents you could possibly have. So Manscaped is here to make whacking your weeds a time to look forward to and deliver you maximum confidence. Yes, you will get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. It's time to upgrade your Manscaped routine with Weed Whacker. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code armchair. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds. Matt, I can't think of a better segue. Let's get into the courtroom.
2: All right, so we are approximately four games into everyone's season, and the ACC contenders versus pretenders are starting to take shape. You're down to three teams that are undefeated in conference, and it is the usual suspects. It is Clemson, UNC, and Notre Dame. We'll call that tier one for now, Matt, right? There's not much of an argument to be made. Clemson's obviously going to win. They're going to go undefeated more than likely, except for us. And then UNC and Notre Dame are probably just a tier below that. I think we could say that all those guys, as of now, are contenders. Is that fair?
3: Y- yeah, I think overall that's fair. I, I hate Notre Dame so much, and I-, I really can't wait till we play them. But but yeah, to be fair, they've absolutely looked, looked very good so far.
2: So then you have the next tier with uh, one-loss teams. You have Boston College, you have Miami, you have Virginia Tech, you have NC State, and you have Georgia Tech, which I don't think a lot of us saw coming. So I'll get into a little of my analysis here, Matt. I don't know if you saw the game against uh, for Miami versus Clemson, um, but it was pretty much over by the third quarter, right? Right. And it's funny. Miami, they had a couple of of wins over Florida State and Louisville early on, um, back when Louisville was ranked. And everyone sort of jumped on the bandwagon and... um, you know, to me, obviously they have that quarterback, but it's still that same program from last year. And you know, I just I don't trust that defense. I don't think the defense is nearly as good as everyone you know makes it out to be. And I think outside of the quarterback, who's very dynamic, um, they got a lot of holes to plug. So you know, I see them as not necessarily frauds, but you know, they don't scare me a lot. If we were to go head to head with them, um, you know, I'd give us a chance. So you know, I think they're in that tier. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens the next few uh, next few games.
3: Yeah, man, I think that's a really fair, fair tort uh, that you bring up there. Yeah. And, and I just I feel like in general, really out of those one loss teams, I personally just see it as us and, and Virginia Tech, and and obviously we'll we'll see how that looks on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But I'm with you, Georgia Tech. Who we do play in a couple of weeks doesn't really scare me. Miami, who will probably never get to play this year, uh, I would see it's very unlikely that we both make yeah. it to the ACC championship at this point. They don't really scare me. And then NC State goes without saying that that I could not be less afraid of a team uh, than I am of the NC State Wolfpack. You can you can write that one down. But you know Virginia Tech. Look, I, and I don't want to. We'll, we're obviously going to get more into it in a minute. I still don't really know what to make of them. Um, I don't want to spoil all of our all of our preview talk. But Matt,
2: Matt get this. Matt, get this. Yep. You want to talk about the defense resting? Virginia Tech's defense rested a lot against yep. UNC last week.
3: Yep, that's a really good point, Matt. And but you know, at the bottom line, and, and to bring it back to UNC as well, all of these things can't be true, right? UNC can't be a top five team, and and Virginia Tech's a t- uh, twenty three team, but we're you know we're, whatever it be in the in the you know thirty one range or whatever. If you count the the receiving votes, mm-hmm. it's either. UNC is is really good and they're a top five team and we hung with them. So we're also, you know, by definition, a, a good team. Or, you know, we're we're a middle of the pack, you know, 30-ish ranked team, and UNC should be nowhere near the top five. And then on the other side, UNC massacred Virginia Tech last weekend. I know mm-hmm. the final score was only like ten points, but that game was never close. Yeah, and they're still ranked. Uh, it, was a, it was a
2: five point game, one point, but agree on okay. us.
3: But it never. But it, 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 again, it, these three teams don't really make sense the way that they're all they're all laid out right now. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I would call any of them necessarily frauds, but I, I have a someone is fraudulent in the in the voter process, and I don't know what we want to bring you know charge wise against them, but um, it feels it feels very very dirty to me.
2: Yeah, I just – I don't put a lot of – you're talking AP Paul, right, as far as ranked. I, I just yeah. don't – I put no stock into that whatsoever at this point, only because we don't have the full population of teams, and we're still going based off preseason ranking. So I, I don't even worry about that. I, I – you know, the standings, I think, sort of landed where I thought they would, with the exception of Georgia Tech, who I do think are frauds. And it's too bad because I actually like Jeff Collins a lot. Um, but they – I didn't know this until I looked this up. They lost to Syracuse by 17. That's, that's a, a clear, fraudulent statistic. You, t- you want to talk sarbanes I mean, Georgia Tech is, are, are frauds. Um, they have Clemson this coming week and then us, so um, I expect them to drop out of the discussion, if they're even in the discussion. Um, I expect them not to be there at the end. I also want to talk about NC State, because NC State kind of worries me, not because I think they're good, but because they escaped with that win over uh, Pitt the other weekend. Um, they, they escaped with a win over Wake uh, a few weeks ago. And here's the deal with them. They play absolutely nobody. They must know someone in the, in the ACC uh, commissioner's office because they have the easiest possible schedule. They miss Clemson. They miss Notre Dame. They miss us. All they have to do is beat one of UNC and Miami, and they pretty much lock up a, a two-loss season. Mm-hmm. So, again, I don't think NC State's good, but I do think they have a pretty good shot of being there at the end only because their schedule's so weak.
3: Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, anything else you want to touch on in the ACC or, or you know, should we uh, go around the country quickly and then, and then get to Virginia Tech?
2: Yeah, I don't think we need to talk about the rest of the I ACC. Agree. I, I agree. I think that there's
3: no sense in talking about. It's,
2: it's mostly what we expected out of, you know, the likes of Hughes and Wake and Duke. I guess Louisville is obviously a huge surprise. I mean, they just, the defense is just so bad mm-hmm. um, that they got smoked by Georgia Tech. And then Florida State, both of those, you know, both Louisville and Florida State are sitting 0-3 um, in conference, which I didn't see coming for Louisville. You know, I saw that Florida State was overhyped. I think we both saw that coming, but not to this degree. I mean, they look terrible. So, um, of course, we missed Florida State this, this year and what would uh, have been hey, an automatic win. just kills me, yeah. Win. They're they're cruising for a bruising next year when we play them. Hopefully COVID's back to normal. And Although, here's the other thing, too, and I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I do love this no division thing. I mean, the fact that we're looking at the ACC as a whole and saying, all right, all we got to do is finish in second place as opposed yep. to, hey, we got to beat Clemson and then go and defeat it. Like, that's not fun. I'm not having fun in the Atlantic anymore. Let's get rid of the divisions and let's play for second until Clemson comes back down to earth.
3: Well, we'll still play for first, but yes, more reasonably, we can play for top two. I agree. Um, Matt, the only other thing I want to do in the courtroom is I want to charge the entire Southeastern Conference with uh, reckless and wanton behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, So, of course, we know that's the part of the country that has been taking COVID the least seriously. And the chickens, Matt, have come home to roost. Mm-hmm. So Nick Saban, who is, by the way, taking it very seriously, he was a big proponent of masks, which is hard to do in Alabama, uh, has finally contracted the virus. So thoughts and prayers to him. Hopefully he recovers quickly. And it is interesting to see what a coach not being on the sideline does to the line. They're, they were, I think they're, the game's still on, but they're playing Georgia this weekend. And I think it immediately shifted like three points once they said Saban's not going to be in the building and then still in that conference Dan Mullen down at Florida you know was was complaining in his press conference about how he wants to see the swap full even though by the way they, watching those games they look very full despite whatever numbers they're they're throwing at us mm-hmm. he was saying we need 90,000 people we need a loud environment and like boom the next day like the entire team has covid and their game against LSU was canceled so you know, it is a little bit of a reap what you sow here, and, and and you really just wish that I think they took this to the same level that teams like BC, Virginia, you know, even Notre Dame, despite their their flare-ups, have, have taken this. And I think we'd have a much you know cleaner college football season. You know, you're seeing it in the NFL right now. There's just so much uncertainty, and you kind of just need everyone rowing the boat the same direction. And And when you get, you know, some marquee programs and some marquee areas... Uh, kind of going against that, it really throws the rest of the season in, in jeopardy. So um, I, I, I want to charge them with a lot of different things, but I feel like reckless behavior is that a crime. Um, but I want to charge them with that.
2: Yeah. It feels, that feels like a, a real, a real tort there, Matt. Good tort. Thanks. Um, yeah. It's interesting too. I mean, with Saban in particular, it's sort of like Belichick where he controls everything and no one sneezes on that sideline unless Saban says it's, you know, it's okay to do so. So um, yeah, I think it's, it's obviously going to have a massive effect and, yeah, you know, even with Virginia Tech, we've seen it. It's affected their team. I think Fuente tested positive at one point. So yeah, they've like all had
3: it. I think literally, I think they've. I think at worst, they had like twenty guys sitting out um, right. because of it, and and maybe some positive test, but also then some kind of contract tracing. But I think right. for now, they're relatively back to healthy.
2: They're get yeah more so than they, they have been. But I, I think the takeaway here is again, and I'm sure j Baum will tweet it out tomorrow. We not to jinx it, but. You know, another thousand tests and, you know, no, no more positives from BC. So it continues to be a testament how good of a job BC is doing, um, you know, especially in light of what we're seeing down south and otherwise. So hopefully the boys keep up the good work and, uh, you know, stay healthy and, you know, go from there.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. I think this was a really productive courtroom segment here. I, th- I think mm-hmm. we I think we got a lot of uh, legal briefs kind of off of our desk that have been kind of piling up over the last couple of weeks. So, so good
2: Absolutely. work. Absolutely. Um,
3: court is adjourned. And Matt, let's talk Virginia Tech. We got about fifteen minutes of show left. I'll let you kick it off. Kind of what are your what are your high level thoughts? I've got some uh, I've got some feedback on the weather and, and other ideas on that side of it. But I'll, I'll let you kind of Do you, you have any of Give any hokey thoughts, or right just, is it
2: just weather thoughts? Uh, I've got a couple hokey thoughts. Okay, but I'll I'll let you I'll let you kick things off. Okay, that sounds good. Um, all right, so Virginia Tech comes in as the twenty third ranked team in the country. They have a record of two and one. Uh, with wins over NC State and Duke before they got absolutely demolished by UNC last weekend. If you believe in the transitive property like we do on this show, um, they beat Duke by 7, whereas we beat Duke by 20. And then they lost to UNC by 11, while we only lost by 4. I don't know what that means, Matt, but it's, it's certainly a data point that we need to consider. Obviously, we've beaten them each of the last two years. We had a nice streak going, including 2018. That was the game that resulted in us getting game day versus Clemson. Um, And then in the opener, we had a big win last year as well. Since that time, speaking of the opener, both teams have become sort of the direct opposite of of the matchup we saw last year. Obviously, our team, as everyone knows, has done a complete 180 when you talk about uh, the defense, and now we have a passing game, plus the lack of run game. Um, You know, we're a completely different unit. But it's different for Virginia Tech as well, as their, their offense to date has been predicated on running the football, they're averaging three rush yards per game, which is top three in the country, only behind the academies, Air Force, and Army. So, you know, that's that's a big change from what we've seen. Obviously, I think it was Ryan Willis last year was their quarterback that was really sl- slinging it ar- around, and they got nothing going on the ground. Um, in this run game, it's, it's largely due to the, to the offensive line that they built. That is extremely solid. They have a left tackle that we'll talk about in a second. They got a couple key transfers, one being Khalil Herbert, who is equivalent to Diamond Ferry. Um, Around these parts, BC fans remember him from last year. Uh, He transferred from Kansas, where he put up 187 yards on just 11 carries um, and ruined. It was one of the worst Friday nights uh, of my lifetime. What a disaster. Um, He's been tearing it up so far this year. He has 449 yards and five touchdowns through three games, averaging a ridiculous 10.4 yards per carry. And this is a little premature, but he's getting Heisman hype. Uh, at this point so I mean
3: is it I mean, I, I don't I don't even know if that's that premature the guy is literally a video game and, and mm-hmm. I I know maybe on the on the yardage side it's because a lot of other teams haven't played but when we heard that he transferred from Kansas to Virginia Tech that was like terrible news because this is yep. now all of a sudden like all right fine this guy torched us last year he ruined Matt's Friday night I mean ruined everyone's Friday night but you actually made the trip up there which made your Friday night even worse
2: but I was hey, having we- a great day up to that point I I you remember, Matt, I, I drove up Thursday night. I, I got a bunch of koozies from you. I made a pit stop in New York. Yep. I think I played golf that morning, had a great tailgate, hung out with Martin Jarmond. Everything was great. It was a beautiful day. And then the game happened. And yep. then I remember just, you know... Walking to the sail loft until 3 a.m. and just drowning my sorrows. What a, what an awful night that was. Way, but anyway.
3: non yeah. non-sequitur. Best uh, Clam Chowder in Boston at the sail loft. Yeah, um, underrated. Agreed. Really, really, really good. Uh, but yeah, yeah. We, I thought he was out of our life forever, Khalil Herbert. And then, of course, he's like, no, I'm going to be a Hokie. And now we have to play him You know, every year. Um, I don't know how old he is or how many more years he has. Is he a
2: grad transfer? I don't know how it works anymore. It's tough to keep like up. I, I hope so, man.
3: Yeah. But but I'll, I'll just say this is a game that I am I am very worried about because the way our defense has looked so far this year, I think we've been you know very strong in the air. But the run defense is a little bit less tested. And the other thing I'll say is that we've clearly been a kind of a bend, but don't break. We've, we've given up a lot of plays, but we've made turnovers when they matter or we've gotten that big third down stop that Ben Bato break style is a lot harder against a team that can, that can dominate on the ground uh, mm-hmm. because they can pick up three, four yards at will. It's a lot harder to get them off the field when they're in a third and two and they can, you know, they know they can run for three yards versus, oh, you had two incompletions because, you know, two great pass breakups and now it's third and 10 and they got to, you know, repeat that. So I, I'm, I'm definitely a little bit concerned about our defense's ability to, you know, stack the run game this year, mm-hmm. especially with the offensive line. So ignore just how good Herbert is. They have an excellent offensive line that I, I know you want to touch on. So, from a defensive side of the football, this is, I think, by far the biggest challenge for the for this defense, certainly not the secondary, but for this defense that, that we're going to see as a whole this year, and, and that leaves me a little bit worried uh, going into Saturday.
2: Yeah, no question. And as if one uh, transfer that killed us last year isn't enough, they also have Raheem Blackshear, yep. who you might remember when we went down to uh, to Rutgers and Piscataway, Matt, uh, he, had, he racked up 130 yards receiving out of the backfield, so he also transferred to Virginia Tech. So, it's, almost uh, like, it's almost
3: like Fuente style was like, we lost back to back years to Boston College. Yep, like, that's unacceptable. Yep. Let's get all the people who are their boogeymen who have massacred <laughs> them over the last couple of years and, and put them on our roster. So it's an interesting strategy. Obviously, I don't know. You know we don't know how it's going to turn out just yet, but uh, at least he's thinking outside of the box, which I guess is a good thing.
2: Definitely. Um, and then, in addition to the running backs, they also have uh, two quarterbacks they've used so far, both of whom are big running threats. It sounds like Head and Hooker's getting the nod. He averages somewhere in the ballpark at 10 carries, around 50 yards per game, at least last year. Um, His first game this season was uh, midway through last week. Fuente's kind of been screwing around with the quarterback situation. They started Braxton Burmeester, who's like a Tyler Murphy type, who just can't throw the ball and just is is pretty much just... He seems to only be a a run option guy, which seems easy to defend, but what do I know? Um, But Hooker's just been really good. So if Fuente just plays him, it seems like that will do the trick. But like you said, I mean... Hooker can do some damage through the air. And, and I remember watching the game last year, Vatek versus Virginia, which was basically like the de facto coastal championship. And Hooker was hanging in there with uh, Bryce Perkins, and they, they kind of had a shootout back and forth. So, you know, he can, he can get it going in the air and with his legs. So, you know, that's that's a guy to, to worry about. Obviously, Pickett scrambled away a few times and extended drives. And, you know, Hal did the same. So, you know, to me, it comes down to, you know, do we trust our secondary? And I think we do. But what I really think we have to do is, is you know, stack the box against these guys, and you know, trust the DBs to make plays, and you know, we don't want what happened against Kansas last year to happen with Herbert. We just can't, we can't let that happen. Fortunately, I think we trust Halfley with the tape, and I did, well, I did like what what we did following the UNC game. Obviously, those guys got loose on some outside, uh, outside, outside zone runs. But it seems like we locked down against that, against Pitt. I can think of a couple of situations where uh, Valdez and Ber- Brandon Barlow, who, by the way, deserves a shout out, he played awesome last week. Uh, but those DNs did a great job containing the outside. So if those guys can do that, we get Boozy in the middle and then the linebackers everywhere else, I think we can handle it. Um, but it's really going to, you know, we're really going to ask a lot of the D backs to, to kind of go, go at it alone, one on one, and take care of business. So. To me, that's the key to the game. It's it's their very potent offense against what we think is an electric defense. But uh, this is just as much of a test, if not more so, than uh, than UNC.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. And, and again, like I said, I'm, I'm very interested to see what half puts together for a game plan because I think that this is a massive challenge. They can they can beat us from a lot of different ways. Um, Matt, a couple notes I want to throw in. So first of all, you want to talk about football weather. It is going to be, as of right now, 46 degrees Fahrenheit. In Blacksburg at 8 p.m. and getting cooler as the night goes on. I mean, that is like picture perfect fall football weather. This is, I think, the one time we would have been
2: there. We would have, so we, we that was probably our game, right? Yeah. We had talked about going down to Blacksburg. We always do one road trip, at least one road trip per season. And I've never been to Blacksburg, always wanted to go. And it seemed like that was the logical choice this year. And it's a shame that we're not going to be there. Yeah, uh, it
3: absolutely is. But I'll say this is the one time I think so far this year that that we're actually lucking out or, or, or gaining a benefit from there being no fans due to COVID. They're not doing fans, right? They're doing a thousand fans. It's just like okay.
2: family members. It's like, yeah.
3: All right. So that's not enough to really make a difference because I would argue that a Saturday night in Blacksburg, especially when you know there's a buzz about Votek, they're ranked. So I think there's there's a buzz that automatically comes with that is one of the most intimidating places to play in, in college football when they do enter Sandman. Um, obviously, it didn't stop you know Matt Ryan and the boys, but in general, that's an impossible place to play. So I think it's huge that this team doesn't have to go up against you know a, a packed Lane Stadium. And again, like I said, I think this is really the, the the first time that we've benefited from that. Because if we had fans and alumni for the for the three games that that we had, that all really came down to the wire. I mean, that would be like that building would have been absolutely rocking. You know, who knows if it's enough to put us over the uh, hump against UNC, things like that. But um, really, really, I think we dodged a, a major bullet there. And then, Matt, I do want to talk about the line. So it opened at ten and a half uh, plus ten and a half for BC, and I think it's around twelve and a half now. I don't understand what is happening in the betting markets and, and why we continue to be slept on. We were six-point dogs against Duke. We obviously ran away with that. Uh, we were six-point dogs again against Pitt. Came out, you know, not comfortably on top, but we were kind of, a, we were the better team, I think. I think the better team won. And then we were, you know, even even larger underdogs to to UNC and still managed to cover there as well. So I don't understand why the national perspective is still so down on BC when it comes to gambling. And I don't know how much money, uh, this team needs to continue to to make me, but I think it's gonna you know basically pay my twenty forty tuition bills uh, to uh, to Boston college.
2: yeah, I know you're exactly right and and as a betting man, you know obviously the what I really like and and I think the spread is enough that we will cover. I think there's no question these guys are resilient. And they're gonna fight back no matter what the potential deficit is. So I do think we'll cover. But what I can't get what I can't stay away from is the money line. Yeah. It's plus three thirty right now. And I know me, you know, us and our crew already took advantage of it when it opened. We were like, holy crap, this is free money. Yeah, we thought for um, sure it would go down. Yeah, we did. We did, and it didn't. Um so maybe I'm not done throwing throwing money on the <laughs> on the line there. Um, but for those that don't know what plus three thirty means, it's you bet a hundred dollars, you win three thirty. I mean, it's, you, it's you, if you you net you net three thirty. Yeah. That's important. You to net three thirty, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And all we have to do is beat an overrated Virginia Tech team. Like it's 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 like when the lottery gets to a certain point, when it gets when the Powerball gets to you know fifty million, and it's like it's actually a bad investment not to go in on it. It's it's yep. almost that's where we're at with this money line. You almost have to it's it's risk reward here and um i think it's a no-brainer
3: the 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 fourth and dude coalition has has i will say seven several hundred dollars on the bc money line so mm-hmm. uh there could be a new order of coozies that could be uh in effect should we you know be able to pull off this win on saturday
2: no question hey matt we didn't touch on the defense and i do want to touch on that because they stink Yep. And everyone that saw UNC put up almost 60 points on them last year. That's not a surprise.
3: By the way, 60, 60 points pretty effortlessly, right? They pulled the yeah. ones. I, I mean, that, that they were not on the on the gas for the entire four quarters there.
2: No, no question. Um, so they're allowing 486 yards per game. They allowed 656 yards to UNC last week. And it's interesting. Like, they have a couple good players. Like, they have Rashard Ashby, who um, was preseason All-ACC. He had a billion tackles against us last year. They have Devon Diablo, who should be a lot better. His name is like the coolest name ever. He should be a lot better, but he's been a solid corner for them or safety for them uh, throughout throughout the past couple of years. And he's, you know, he's always played well against us as well. Um, I think he was out for COVID and really their, their entire secondary was decimated by COVID. So we'll give him a little bit of an out there. Um, but it just seems like, you know, if our running backs can get loose, get to that second level, these guys just suck at tackling, and they're never in the right spot. And, you know, watching the highlights against UNC, it was effortless. And it's not just last week. I mean, Duke put up 31 points against them, right? We, we only allowed six to Duke. So um, I, I think they're just – they're resigned to understand they're going to allow some points, and they know there's going to be a shootout, and it's just going to be one of those games that – uh, you know, it's, it's going to be, in my opinion, whoever has the ball last is, is going to have a shot at winning this. It's going to be in the 50s. But um, one other thing to watch out for, they surprisingly do have a good D-line. They're actually fourth in the country in sacks. They average five sacks a game. Um, obviously, that's been a bugaboo for us. They have a couple good D-ends that, you know, we have to watch out for that. We have a, a certain left tackle that's playing out of position that, um, you know, guys are racking up sacks against them. So, um, you know, that's something to watch out for. Jericho's going to have to get rid of the football. Um, and be smart with the ball but you know the hope is that these guys sell out for the run or sorry sell out for the pass and we get our run game cooking that's that that to me is, is the key and then on the other side of the ball it's it's really got to be the sacks richardson isaiah mcduffie and the line the front seven's really got to come to play the whole unit's got to come to play but that front seven has to stop the run and and maybe not even stop the run just slow down the run right they if they have 200 plus yards rushing then then we're probably in trouble um but just just got to Make some stops, force some turnovers, and see what happens down in Blacksburg.
3: Yeah, I, I hear you. Do you want to just get right into your prediction?
2: Yeah, let's do it. All right, so this is a revenge game for our defense like we talked about. Herbert absolutely embarrassed us last year. Um, and like I said, we, we did make some adjustments after UNC exposed some issues in the run game. So, you know, we should be able to let up the box, trust our D-backs. I like McDuffie and Richardson to get somewhere in the 30 tackle range. Hopefully we hold them under 30. They drop a million guys back in pass coverage. The light bulb finally goes off for a run game. And I got Eagles 35, Hokies 26 in Blacksburg.
3: Wow, that's uh low scoring for the uh for the Hokies here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go higher on, on both sides. But I'm with you overall. I, I just, I really like what this team is doing so far. And if there's one coach in the country that I trust to come up with a game plan to shut down this this Hokies attack, it is absolutely Jeff Hafley. We're so lucky to have him on the sidelines for this. So I'm with you. I think our offense continues to, you know, put up excellent numbers through the air. Um, so I'm going to go Eagles 38. Hokies 35 in what is a very uncomfortable Saturday night we don't have fun at all like it's 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 not going to be a fun three hours but I do think we come out of Blacksburg with a three game win streak against the Virginia Tech Hokies which is which is always fun and I think that we move to uh to four and one on the year
2: and by the way four in one with a pretty good we're not gonna look ahead but a pretty good chance to go to five in one with, with Georgia Tech the following week and then you know who's waiting on the other side of that Clemson yep so this is a huge game just we got to get this w first but it could set up yeah this is really the game of the season as far as i'm concerned we win this we got something special if yeah. not we still probably do but uh yeah it'd be, it'd be a fun one
3: yeah absolutely and probably enough to get us ranked by the way oh, if no we question. win which doesn't really matter at this point cuz we're just trying to get you know wins and and let america sleep on us i can live with mm-hmm. that um but thanks again for listening i think this was uh, uh again we have a really good team on our hands hopefully you guys are enjoying the season as much as we are so far Um, As always, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fourth and dude, Matt, not to break some news, but the koozies came in today. They look phenomenal. Hey, Matt, Be on the lookout.
2: How do I get? How do I get one of those koozies? Be
3: on the lookout for some ways that we're going to try to get them into the into the hands. Normally, we just take a big bag of them, like a, a big shopping bag, and we just throw them, you know, throw them around at tailgates. Obviously, we don't have that option this year, so we want to make it a little bit more more virtual friendly. So, uh, mm-hmm. be on the lookout for that. We'll make sure everyone, you know, everyone uh, has the has the ability to try to get in on the action. Um, Keep an eye out for potentially another halfly hour on Saturday morning. I think so far that's been going relatively smoothly. We don't have a lot to talk about, but we can see if we can fire that one up again. I don't know your thoughts uh, on that.
2: I'm busy. I will make it happen. We'll, 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 talk we'll try offline. to. We'll try to make
3: something happen. Yeah. Um, sure. But yeah, thanks again to our sponsors. All of our sponsors: Eagle Insiders, Armchair, Bet Online, Manscaped, the new Weed Whacker, and thanks again for listening, folks. It feels like 1940.
2: Get in, folks.